everyone, and welcome back to the Fan Fiction Tapes. I am your host, Maya, and today I am joined by... Oh, hello. I am esteemed. And as always, I am our producer, Ian. Today's episode is all about platonic shipping, if you uh, didn't guess from the title. <laughs> Which, uh, I suppose, bears introduction as a concept... Um, maybe for those of you who didn't catch uh, our episode, kind of giving an overview of shipping, but something that happens in fandoms, usually mostly when this is established within the work, is there's characters that are friends or seem to be friendly, and it's not uncommon for fans to want to take that relationship a little bit further than it's developed uh, in the show or the book or the game uh, and explore it a little bit more. So I guess just to open up and kind of get the ball rolling, let's talk about some of our personally favorite platonic ships and what about them we like, you know, what what makes us drawn to that. I've mentioned previously that I am a big sucker for characters who are kind of, they don't seem like they'd get along well together, um, but they do. Um, characters who kind of have sharply contrasting personalities just being friends. Yeah. There's uh, some some of my favorite favorite uh, platonic uh, relationships are kind of like that. Um, I think I mentioned on on our uh, first relationships episode uh, that I really enjoy the the dynamic in the Dresden Files between Harry and Michael Carpenter. They're very very different people, but they have a similar line of work, um, and I guess somewhat similar ethics. Yeah, um, there, there's a few, I think, important differences yeah, for the two of them. There are. Um, and I think that's part of what makes the contrast between them really good. Uh, I was trying to think of an example from something I've been watching recently, a show by the name of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Oh, boy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that show has some material. Probably just yeah. so much of it. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's long. Uh, I believe we're what, like on maybe episode thirty. Yeah. Uh, Steve and I have been watching it together. Oh, uh, I think really the best example of this from the show would be Mittermeier and oh, what's his name? Royenthal. Royenthal. There we go. Yeah. Remember there was the R U E sound. They're both very very different people. Royenthal is a lot more reserved and not much of a ladies' man. Whereas Mittermeier is feels a bit like a golden retriever of a human to me so far. <laughs> I think that's accurate. Who has, I believe, also been married by the time of the show for quite some time. I do like the Yang and Julian. The whole setup of, like, Yang as obviously the genius who hates what he's doing and does not want to do it. Yeah. But Julian looks up to him and wants to do it, and he's having to. I mean keep him alive because what he wants to do is fly fighter jets in a 150 year hell war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, um, tends to have high casualty rates. Yeah. That, that, that is also a good dynamic and one that I enjoy watching. I haven't watched legend of the galactic heroes, so I don't, I don't really know what you're talking about here. It's so I'm just, I'm just thinking of, uh, I'm just thinking of some, some of the, uh, the other things that I've read recently. Um, and it, I just keep coming back to Lock Tomb. Oh boy! As we do. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I cannot wait to see more of the adventures of the Tower Princess. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Talk about a platonic friendship from hell. Oh, yes. <laughs> Can you call that a friendship? I mean, they have friendship bracelets. I I'll, can't refute that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that ENT is really capable of having friends, but it's so. I've I've mentioned before. I I like watching drama from a distance, and everything Yanti touches turns into just curdled milk. Uh huh. Uh huh. I don't. I don't think that's a a friendship that I would want to to be. But I do like watching it from afar. Yeah, the lock, the lock tomb actually has some pretty excellent platonic dynamics. Gideon and Cam to some degree, as well as uh, actually probably my favorite from that series is Harrow and Palamides. <laughs> yeah, they get along. Uh, th- that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it's it's a little different from my usual taste in terms of like friendship dynamics because Palamides and Harrow are very, very much alike. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're narrative foils. Palamides is Harrow with a healthy home environment. Yeah, pretty much. As healthy as you get in, under the circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> Healthier. Uh, I Healthier. feel like probably Abigail and Magnus may have had the healthiest home relationship out of characters we've seen. Yeah. Same same person under the hood, completely opposite public-facing personalities. The dynamic between Palamides and Harrow is different from my usual taste because, right, the the bells and not the bells and whistles, the um the gears and internal engine shit of people that make up Palamides and Harrow are very, very similar when they aren't outright identical. It's just kind of that uh that starting point that's really changed who they are. And they're, I mean, obviously, Palamides and Harrow are very different, for one. I'm pretty certain Palamides eats regular meals more often, which is not a high bar. He also does not make soup. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but they have kind of that different starting point, and that shapes them into two very similar but also very different people. Kind of harkens back to Michael and Dresden. Yeah, similar similar enough to get along, different enough that they don't um, hate each other. But also do not trust each other at first. Yeah. Whew, I'm, I'm trying to think of some others that I've enjoyed, but part of the reason I wanted to talk about this this month was that I think that not enough anything really gets put into platonic relationships in writing another one another one you've mentioned before kate and jace in arcane yeah actually that's one of the few male and female platonic relationships that i can just flat out think of i do enjoy seeing a good platonic relationship between a male and a female character that is very clearly staying platonic yeah that and as a gal who grew up only having guy friends, not seeing that did kind of suck. There are some, and excuse me a moment while I go on my gay rant. (laughs) 
Man, I'd scheduled this for later. Heteronormativity and compulsory heteronormativity really kind of puts a damper on a lot of the fun that can be had with writing with writing friendships. Because it's there's often a lot of expectations of things turning out a certain way. Something that happens nearly universally is there's a male and female lead. It's an expectation that they get together. And that's... Come on. We can do better. Um, I think, actually, one of the few series of... Series I've read as a kid where that didn't happen was the Five Kingdoms series by Brandon Mole, which his works are... I think there's a bit of, like, just kind of meant for a younger audience syndrome in some of them. But they are also definitely dark. <laughs> uh, and there is a pretty solid relationship between one of the female leads and one of the male leads throughout the series that um, I don't believe becomes romantic at any point, which was very nice to see. I'm trying to think if there were any, any series that I, I read as a kid that had male-female friendships that didn't result in relationships and the closest that's the closest i'm getting (laughs) only on account of you had canon pairs but an imbalance of sexes and as as far as can be implied from from the text i don't think it was ever it is a 90s series, so I don't think it ever would have been, like, stated outright whether anyone was LGBTQ. Uh, you, um, had, you had canon pairings between um, Jake and Cassie and between uh, Rachel and Tobias, and then you've got Marco, who is friends with all of them. So he, he never ends up in, in a relationship, in a romantic relationship with anyone else in the group. Neither neither does does Axmelli, but he's an alien. Although interspecies relationships are a canon thing in the uh, Animorphs universe. Food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was gonna say, is hasn't the author come out and said, yeah, Tobias is basically trans? Um, I may I, be misremembering that. Uh, I believe I've heard that. Boy, I don't know if I've heard that, but. I know that there's a lot of a lot of fans uh, read him as trans. He definitely he definitely reads pretty strongly as neurodivergent. He's the one who gets trapped in the hawk, yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's what I'm remembering. But there's <laughs> I don't there's trust that 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 whole issue of of being in the wrong body. I think is yeah that that's. It's pretty hard to write that and not, to some degree, have it be trans. Yeah. Like, whether or not you're trying to do it. (laughs) Okay, uh, now I kind of want to allude to... Or, well, I want to directly address something I've kind of alluded to during the episode, um, and that is specifically what are often referred to as queer platonic relationships, which is basically a platonic relationship that goes a lot further than what is normally considered platonic, but is at the same time not explicitly romantic. Um, And these are common often in more LGBTQ circles, or uh, specifically, I believe, amongst polyamorous groups. Uh, I think think it's also pretty pretty common amongst um, aromantic. Yes, that as well, which um, actually brings us to part of the focus of the episode, given that 
Um, when this episode will be airing, it will be about time for Aromantic Awareness Week. And given that we just done an episode on uh, all about romance, we wanted to do something that also featured queer folks who often get left out of some of the spotlight and forgotten. So it, it is very, very possible to have close relationships uh, that aren't romantic. And I think that's honestly some of the best stuff. Like, oh, uh, Thomas and Pug and Raymond E. Feist's uh, Magician series. They're, as near as I can tell, pretty explicitly not romantically attracted to each other. But they're very close friends from a young age. And... Uh, through the plot of the series, they get separated, and that separation changes them. And I, I don't necessarily think the author intended them to be queer platonic, but definitely the way they are at the start, that's one reading of it that uh, I could see. Gosh, and I had another one I wanted to mention. It's escaping me now. This is why I need to write things down. You, and, and any hints? Do you have any? Well, no, but if you recognize like some of it, I might recognize part of it. I, You would, in fact, probably recognize it. The problem is I'm drawing a blank. Ah, um, right. Most of my recently read books are not in this room. Oh, shoot, actually. Um, the book that um, Soft wrote. Soft Quartz. Um, which let me go and dig up um, that title, because I know I have that written down somewhere. That one is, as an aside, pretty good depiction of polyamory and writing, uh, which is nice to see, but I believe has um, some discussion of queer pl platonic relationships within it, which was nice to read. Also, I generally enjoyed it. Also, all of the chapter titles are really funny meme references, which I appreciated. Yeah, uh, The Fool, The Lovers, The Devil, which... Um, me and you would probably recognize as being names inspired by tarot cards. Although, like, the title is uh, taken from specific tarot cards. I don't know yeah. actually the meanings of those. They are definitely, at least name-wise, very thematically appropriate to characters within the series. Or, series? As far as I know, it's just one book. <laughs> what was the title again? Uh, The Fool, The Lovers, The Devil. Fool the Lovers the Devil, okay. By uh, Riley Quinn. So, uh, as as someone who's a little little bit into tarot, the Fool is typically represents um, someone young and inexperienced, naive, like on the <laughs> on the uh, the 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 writer weight tarot depicts uh, a young man with a, a bindle um looking up and apparently about to step off a cliff and then that was the fool the lovers and the devil right yes so the uh the, the interesting thing about the the lovers and the devil at least in in the writer weight tarot which is one of the more well-known arts um the the lovers and the devil have near uh have sort of mirrored imagery both of them depict a uh, a man and a woman um 
standing facing each other in the lower half of the image and then a larger figure behind them uh but on the lovers it's an angelic figure and on the devil it's the devil right the the meanings of the cards um i mean the lovers represents a close relationship and the devil uh, they both actually they they also both both carry implications of of options and choices the the lovers um is typically impl implies um a crossroads um whereas the devil implies like a feeling of restraint that may or may not be true i don't know how much any of this wow um that was some excellent fucking picks from the author. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> those are basically all themes within the book. Interesting. I, that was... Wow. Okay, I, I'm actually going to have to go text her and go, yeah, so someone just explained to me the tarot cards. <laughs> because that was... Yeah. Um... <laughs> described pretty accurately most of the book now it is i will say um an adult romance so for folks who aren't interested in seeing that kind of stuff it's in there but it is a very well written romance i will say that is admittedly kind of the point of the book that's uh the main focus but there are well done i think queer platonic relationships within it darn okay i'm going a little bit faster than i'd wanted <laughs> Yeah. But that's all right. I think this next one could uh, take us a while. Advice oh we might have for writing platonic ships. Everybody in this voice call who has actually written something before, say I. I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. I guess. I guess you. You. You might have some advice, but I think uh, for for me and Steamed, all we can say is is what we like to read. And uh, that is, I will say, almost as useful, if not more useful, than advice from a writer. Okay, I have, I've written things, Phil, but you see what I've written, and I don't think I have any contributions here. <laughs> I I liked the steampunk thing. Wait, I don't even remember that. What I. Part of the reason I remember it is because it went hard. This was mostly something you were telling me in the car. Oh, that, some movie. that's not even yeah. what I was referring to. <laughs> uh, no, I know you were talking about uh, that. I refuse to bring its name onto the podcast. Um, <laughs> as it should be. And I would actually refute that a bit. There was definitely creative writing going into that. Okay, no, no, yes, but like character writing? <laughs> I that's simply there not was less I've of that attempted. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to have to for the Lancer game. Ah, oh, shoot, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, so first thing I'd like to open with this, I guess, um, when we're actually giving advice and not shit posting, um, <laughs> is don't be afraid to just have a relationship, people. Tonic, don't feel. Like, you have to give your readers a romantic relationship because a shoehorned romantic relationship that 
doesn't work is uh, is much much worse than none at all. No no romantic relationship is perfectly fine in pretty much any piece of media. But actually, I recall seeing a dating sim game on Steam that has specifically a romantic options. That was actually one that put it on my radar of things to investigate later because that's inclusivity I didn't expect to see on Steam. And it also indicates there might be other uh, sapphic options. Which, as we all know, is why I'm here. <laughs> but it's... Romance isn't the be-all and end-all, and you shouldn't prioritize it to the detriment of the other relationships within a story. And that that is actually something, is prioritize relationships if you're partly leaning on character writing, because it's going to be less interesting if you've got... You know, we talked about last month a lot about characters. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, actually, we didn't. Oh, well, we did, but... We only talked no. about it a little bit. Uh, yeah, we I mean, mentioned we we brought up characters in in I think the the uh, the beginning one of the uh, begin at the beginning episodes. Yes, and we are planning to focus more on on character uh, archetypes and stuff next month. Yes, uh, Steve, I believe you're gonna. I thought I heard you start to say something. Oh yeah, I mean, I think you know, Phil, the stuff I've read is probably not the target audience you're aiming for but i have read um, <laughs> I, like, I would not say that space dracula would be amongst our target audience no <laughs> entire series where a lot of them actually had really good like relationship writing focusing on the main cast probably space opera stuff closer or closer to space opera stuff and 99% of them never had anything like romantic come up as a topic. It just wasn't relevant. And they were... Which isn't to say the relationships were, weren't like really well written. It's just that's not what the books were interested in, and that's fine, I think. Yeah, that's actually a uh, much more concise way of saying what I was trying to say. Something I did want to bring up with respect to doing non-romantic relationships um, is well, Brandon Sanderson's pretty famous series um, The Cosmere or well should The Cosmere even be called a series? Cosmere's I, whenever I'm telling people about it I think you can call The Cosmere a series well, well cause it's you've not really Mistborn and Stormlight, which are definitely series yeah it, it is a meta-series a hyper series, if you will. <laughs> I always refer to it as a setting. That is certainly accurate. I mean, but the thing that gets me is that the Cosmere as a whole also has a plot. Yeah, yeah, it does. I suppose. Yeah, hy hyper series is is an interesting term. <laughs> Makes me think, because I it is it is like. If if an if an ordinary plot is is one dimensional, Cosmere is definitely multi dimensional. Yes, it, it's a series of series <laughs> running running ver at various concurrencies and interweaving with each other. Yeah, yeah, just 
Taravangian's diagram, actual depiction of Brandon Sanderson's flying tracker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Maya, uh, what were you thinking of as, as examples of, of platonic ships here, relationships? In, in well, Cosmere? for one, Wax and Wayne in Mas- Mistborn Era 2. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to a certain degree, uh, Renette and Wayne. Yeah, Renette and Wayne. I, I get Wax and Wayne confused. Yeah, uh, Renette, Renette and Wayne. Like, Wayne is, is um, uh, definitely pursuing her romantically uh, at the first, but then, then he gets a clue. He's barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, that, that was actually something I appreciated him doing, is having a character who kind of is one of those clueless dudes who then learns and does better. Yeah, I I think that might be a good way to describe Wayne's arc in general, just as a side side note. Yes, I, that is his, uh, his entire thing is learn and do better. Yeah, but back to platonic relationships in the Cosmere. Um, yes, on the There's on that. the subject of Mistborn, uh, Vin and Kelsier. That's right. It's been oh gosh, it's been so long since I read Era One that. Mm-hmm. I don't really think about that that much, but yeah, you're right. Male lead and female lead working together for pretty much the whole first book. Yeah. And it's, there's nothing romantic that ever happens or is ever going to happen. It's it's explicitly stated at, at one point that, that Kelsier at least views Vin as uh, the daughter that, that he never had. Yeah, I mean, given... Um, what happened to his wife, I can see why. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's that. But also let's go for um I know I'd like to do one <laughs> where one of the involved characters isn't so fucked up. This is still Cosmere we're talking about, right? Okay, fair. Okay, but, but... Yeah, like, <laughs> come on, you're going to talk about wax? I don't think you clears that bar. <laughs> I Wax clears that bar. Or He's wait, no, fine. Sorry, no, no, Wayne. Wayne's <laughs> mostly oh, oh. there. I think. Are you thinking? Are you thinking of of Wax and Marasi? Well, that that one uh, Wax, yeah, gets pretty one. explicitly romantic at one point. Yeah. Does or no? I'm thinking it's, of the no. There is. It's it's very similar to to Wayne and Renette in that Marasi very clearly has a crush on Wax at the beginning. And at least I don't read Wax as ever reciprocating that. Oh yeah, no, Wax and is never reciprocate. Yeah. I um, I had a uh, sieve for a brain moment again. Understand? Yeah. Okay. Wax is fairly put together. I don't think. I Wayne was thinking is of Wayne and Milan. <laughs> that is not in any way well adjusted. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> like I said, sieve for a brain moment. <laughs> Okay, this might be a controversial take. Oh, no. I'm scared. Kaladin and Shallan, I view as a uh, platonic relationship. Yeah, I mean... I mean, that's canon. Within the canon text of the work as it is, uh, Kaladin and Shallan is currently platonic. I could see and would actually like to see... I, I know that there is there is a very very popular uh, threesome um, ship between Kaladin, Adelin, and Shallan. Yeah, I, I mean, there is whatever is going on with Vale, but that's 
that's a lot to unpack. I su- subscribe to the headcanon that, that Kaladin is Arrow and possibly Ace. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. I, I could see that quite easily for Kaladin. Uh, has he ever, like, actually expressed interest in anyone in the series? He does spend most of the series in the Cobb Sanderson bucket of bigger issues. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. There's there's his um his flashback chapters in uh oh you're right yeah uh what the the first one way of kings um with him and oh uh, what is her name um it begins with an L the 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 local uh daughter the daughter of the, of the local light eyed lord. She seems to express some interest to him, and he seems to be absolutely clueless about it. I mean, it is Khaled, and he don't people too good. This is true, but he never really gets any better at romantic relationships. There's there's an entire um, relationship between him and one of the women in the Skybreakers that happens between books two and three i think oh gosh you're right i'd forgotten about that they they get together and break up off screen wait no not skybreakers windrunners windrunners sorry yes Uh, i had a brain for a sieve moment (laughs) (laughs) sanderson does a really good job with relationships in general i feel it's actually kind of at least at this point i his relationship writing in some of his earlier works i think could use some work. <clears throat> Melantris. <clears throat> That's an early one. It is also his... I'm pretty certain that was his first published novel. And yeah. those flaws that aside, it is pretty darn good. But that should perhaps be saved for when we do actually talk about the Cosmere later. Yes. We are, we are planning to do a lot more talking about the Cosmere at the end of April. A whole entire episode of it. I wonder how on earth we'll fit it into an hour. <laughs> oh, there's probably going to be so much that I that'll have to leave on the cutting room floor. Oh, sadly. Actually, now it's been a while since I've read these books, so I might be misremembering. But the Expanse might also do some good uh, platonic relationships. Oh boy, I don't know if I can. Uh, I I still haven't read those books. They're on my on my TBR list. I've watched most of the show except for the last season. I know I've read the first four, but remembering that can be tricky. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the first one feels almost like its own series. It's there. There is some kind of shoehorned romance in the first book, from what I recall. But there's also some pretty decent platonic relationships, in particular, I believe, between a detective and his partner. That's really good. I'm, I've been meaning to reread those books for ages, and I've never been able to make myself do it. Which books again? Uh, Expanse. Oh, I just Expanse. mentioned this like yesterday. Yeah. Um, and good. also <laughs> two minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, anything where it's like a spaceship with a crew setting is going to be a goldmine for stuff like that. I feel like. Because I mean, imagine spending months to years in a small box with like nine other people 
I don't know about you, but that sounds like hell to me. <laughs> I, given that that's kind of my dream career, I kind of think <laughs> I can't say that sounds like hell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. If, if, if I liked the nine people enough, it could be fine. I've slept in a submarine. Yeah. It can't exactly get worse than that. I've actually slept in smaller confines than that, but I do not seek to repeat those circumstances again. Do we have anything else we want to mention? I'm just alone for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you'd like to elaborate, I guess, more on the uh, sticking people in a spaceship leading to interesting relationship dynamics? I don't know. Not really. I mean, it's, it feels like a good short putt. Removes, removes almost all environmental distractions. Uh, if what you've got is a handful of people in a room and you're telling a story that's set there, it's almost certainly going to involve the interactions between those people more than most other stuff. Yeah, I think this means I need to read more stuff that counts to stuffing several people in a box. Which isn't necessarily just sci-fi. That's true. No, this is probably still sci-fi, but I read one really out there take on it, where it was a World War II destroyer set to an alternate timeline. Wacky. The creativity bar pretty high. You could do some wacky things with it. <laughs> yeah, you're giving me ideas already, which is <laughs> not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> write that down. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I guess that's probably all we we really are having to talk about right now. Well, uh do we have anything in the mailbag, Ian? Unfortunately, we don't have anything. We haven't received any mail yet. If you, listening, want to send us something to talk about on the podcast, uh, give us an email at fanfictapes at gmail.com. This will be getting onto YouTube at some point. Yeah, our, our YouTube integration is down. There's, yeah, there's, Acast is having some technical difficulties. If it, if it continues long enough, I mean, uh, this, this episode is going to be coming out in the 19th so hopefully that'll be fixed by then assuming that you can listen to this on youtube leave us a comment there uh we enjoy hearing from our listeners or we will enjoy hearing from our listeners uh we are also on twitter at at fanfiction tapes and you can uh leave us a review on apple podcasts i don't think i don't know if spotify has allows for re uh text reviews but if you could go ahead and leave us stars there if you leave us a good review we might read it on the show so maya what's our prompt or challenge this week okay our prompt for this week i'm gonna blame our guest from last week for kind of giving me an idea for something a little bit angstier Ooh. two friends are in over their heads how do they say goodbye and uh jay if you're listening this is your fault Sorry, what were you saying, Ian? I kind of talked to everybody oh, there. Just, I was just saying, for the ninth. <laughs> oh, that's depressing. Uh-huh. You, you were the one who brought the angst prompt. Yeah, I did. 
Oh, one last thing before we go. It is Black History Month, and we have been trying uh, our best as a crew of mostly white folks to uh, shout out uh, black authors and creators. Um, so this episode, I would like to give um, a recommendation to read uh, Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents by Octavia Butler. Um, I am currently working my way through Parable of the Sower. It is an excellent read, but it is emotionally uh, hard, especially at these times, because it paints a frighteningly uh, close picture to current times. It is still a very good good read. Uh, she was an excellent writer. Go read Octavia Butler. So, that, I think, will do it for this week. I have been Ian. I have been Maya. And I have been Steve. We still don't have an outro. Bye. Bye.